Beer is awesome, but sometimes the world of beer can be intimidating. As a team of four women with diverse points of view, from our cultures to our roles in the industry, we're here to share with you the real faces behind the bubbly, crispy drink we all love, and yes, really, all drink. Happy Day. Happy Day. You know where I just came back from? Puerto Rico. Ooh. And you're wearing a Bad Bunny shirt so and let everybody wearing, know. It's pronounced Bad Bunny. Everybody Bad Bunny. Well, your tan is looking fine. She's looking delicious. On a scale from 1 to 10, I'm giving you a 12. Ooh. Thank you very much. It's giving toasty and roasty. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, what I didn't do on this trip is that I didn't drink beer. But what I learned... Well, no, no, no. Lies. <laughs> I had a bunch of Medaya. But what I did learn... Oh, yeah, I didn't drink beer. I didn't drink beer. No, I didn't drink beer. No, I did. Um, I had beer on a boat. Um, anyway. Um, With your flip tomorrow, beer on well, the boat. I, I that's know that, the rules in Puerto Rico. That's the rules in Puerto Rico. <laughs> um, I know this is airing much later, but tomorrow, December 9th, fun fact, it is the first day of Puerto Rico Beer Week. What? What? Learned that. I was outside of La Factoria, which is a really, really cool cocktail bar. And, you know, I was just chit chat. You know, I chit chat. I was just chit chatting. Um, <laughs> and I met this girl, and she was like, oh my God. There's this cool bar in Bayamon called La Esquinita, and they're doing a homebrew competition next Saturday, which is tomorrow. Um, and so I, full, I took the opportunity and learned so much about the beer scene out there and um, how the craft beer scene is like kind of a big deal out there. I didn't know anything about this at all. I honestly didn't go on this trip to think, like, let me drink craft beer at all. I didn't think about that shit whatsoever. But huh. yeah, that's what happened in Puerto Rico, and it's fucking cool. Today we have Robin from Kicks and Kegs. Oh, I'm really excited because I know her. It's been a while too. too. So we're about to catch up and talk about everything. That's Kicks and Kegs and beer. Jerk chicken, smoked lager, London, Brooklyn. What up, Wagwan? What's good? Robin, Wees, Kicks and Kegs in the building, live and direct. All right, roll the music. (laughs) Robin, what's up, Wagwan? And we're here with Robin, a longtime brewer, longtime merch maker, longtime sneaker collector. Uh, we met many, 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 many moons ago, and I learned about you through Instagram, through Kicks and Kegs. Um, being from uptown, being one of four, I was obsessed with sneakers. So when I saw Kicks and Kegs, I was like, yo. This is genius. Um, and you were pairing beer labels with sneaker colorways. I know you've come a long way since then, and you're not really too focused on sneakers anymore, but I've loved the evolution of the brand, and I love seeing you do what you do. Truly an inspiration. I think within t- be- uh, between you and Breeze and Maria Shirts, I feel like y'all were kind of the first people that I saw in beer and I was like, oh, I could definitely be a brewer if I wanted to. Mm. So big inspo in the building. How are you? Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Um, that was um, that was a very kind, too kind introduction. Um, I'm not a long time brewer at all. Like, <laughs> like two years and change, three years, that's, that's not a long time. I'm a baby in the game. So We're all babies. Yeah. Got, got more growth to come. Yeah, for sure. When you started off with kicks and kegs, why kicks and kegs and not uh, pancakes and stouts or <laughs> lagers and crisps? <laughs> um, well, at the time, um, that the idea for a sneaker-based event that uh, at the time it came to me, I was uh, working at Nike and collecting sneakers and like was 20 something so I had like my own money for the first time in my life and I could buy all the sneakers that I wanted as a child that now I have the money to get them so collecting sneakers and also getting into craft beer I would always think like going to sneaker events how cool would it be if I could have a beer right now and when I would go to um, beer festivals I would be bored and there would be nothing to do like <laughs> Wouldn't it be cool if there were some sneakers to look at right now? If I could trade <laughs> a pair or, like, I could connect with other sneaker people. people and like beer festivals dress better. Like, <laughs> it, and um, it's, a, it's a show. Like, people are there to pop out. So 
seeing how those two cultures kind of mirrored each other in certain ways, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to just bring them together and have them be one thing? So that's pretty much how Kicks and Kegs, as far as the concept, came to be. And I started doing the event in 2017 because I was living in Florida and then I moved back to New York. I grew up here. And when I moved back, I wanted to work in beer and I was applying for a bunch of jobs. And I have um, hospitality experience, but nobody was giving me a beer job. So I said, well, now's the time. Let me just start the event. And um, I was doing that. And then that's when I eventually got, I guess, kind of it was a segue to to get to working in the industry. But that's why I started the event, so I could just, like, be near beer and do craft beer stuff. Do you remember your first, like, introductory beer that got you going, got you more interested, got you curious into, like, what else beer can can have for you? Yeah, like, so... My, like, my first few craft beers that, that really, like, just opened my eyes and my palate was, um, for sure, Delirium Tremens, um, Golden Drock 9000, and, um, at the time, it would be, like, like, Terrapin Hopsecutioner, Green Flash Lafrique, like, those Damn. were the beers that, that just got me, like, really excited, and Dogfish 60 Minute, I was, like, this is amazing. Like, there's so much flavor in this. This is, it doesn't taste like Miller. It doesn't taste like Guinness or Red Stripe. Like, it has so much flavor. And it's also getting me lit. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, I don't even remember this, but one of your last events was at Harlem Hops. And your girl right here, she won Best Sneaker of the Night. Just, just wanted to, just wanted to suff, like shamelessly plug myself. I remember oh that. I remember though. that. Uh, the they were off-white Nike, like Nike racers. It, yeah, it was the, um, it was like the zip tie, yes. like the, yeah, yes. the Cortez racer, the waffle races. That's yes, what that's waffle what they races. were. That's exactly what yeah. they were. And that was one of your last events, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, that that was definitely that was, my last like kicks and kegs event, and yeah. then I started doing like other tap room based events so but i do remember though that i either i owed you the gift card and i didn't give it to you or like either i i gave it to you late or i haven't given it to you at all all i remember was being like that's right i got the best sneakers up in this bar (laughs) (laughs) so i don't remember don't even sweat it um how did you segue from like what was the segue from kicks and kegs to now making i know now a lot of your merch is like um it's inspired by brands that already exist, Word. which I love. It's bootleg. It's totally yeah, it's bootleg. bootleg. Yeah, yeah, right. It's bootleg. Yeah. Um, I love your Saison slash Sasong uh, sticker yeah. artwork. So dope. Uh, how did you segue from, like, where did you decide, like, all right, I'm kind of done with sneakers, and now I kind of just want to make, like, bootleg beer merch? Because that doesn't, ex- <laughs> that doesn't really exist anywhere. I mean, I know some brands that, some breweries yeah. that do it, but, like, you're committed to it. Like, it's dope. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, so... Like, I I get ideas for, like, different craft beer-related stuff all the time. So as far as craft beer-based designs that were inspired by other things, I've I've had those ideas for years. So um, the last uh, sneaker event that I did was in 2020, and, like, we all know what happened then. So We do. Like, Mm -hmm. in addition to having an abundance of time to just kind of, like do nothing like I had a lot of ideas so by the time like the world started to come back again I like I had a lot of ideas and I'm like it's time to kind of like execute and see what you know what happens if I if I bring it to life so um the merch drop um I did at the end of 2021 so that was like the gap sweatshirt but like IPA so that was like my first like piece of merch that I like printed that was like uh, original, we'll say, you know, <laughs> quote unquote original design, and like, yeah, that was it. Do you think the the pandemic and not being able to do live events, like, did push you into doing more like just distribution merch things? Do you think that would have distribution ha- is a very is a very kind word. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay but not Shopify. live events, like, um, for sure, like, kind of having to, um, like. 
by by no means do I like live off of these events. Like I have a job. So like this is like it's a passion project. It's a side hustle. So seeing other brands and businesses adapting and pivoting during mm. during lockdown, it it kind of gave me a push to like try a different medium of of putting media out there. Like mm. so doing an event like it was a lot more legwork from like end of 2020 to like 2021 even into 22 so it was like yes we can do events but like it's gonna take a little bit more planning and I want to keep people safe I want to be safe so instead of like doing an in-person thing let me like make something that you can order it if you want you can like pick it up and like there's not really that interaction but it is still kind of like, it's a fun way to engage with craft beer. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. You started uh, the merch line when you started brewing. How did you juggle all of that? Because as soon as I get home from work, I'm on the floor asleep. Oh, yeah, terribly is how I juggled it. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I remember in, um, in 21, the, um, when I, like, launched my, um, my merch website, it was, uh, like, Black Friday, so up until that point, I was, like, building the website and, like, doing the designs and kind of, like, getting everything in order so I could, like, launch this. And it was very much, like, you know, as, as much of a launch as I, as a sole proprietor, could make it. But um, I would just work on it, like, after, like, after my, my work day, like... You know how they say like the nine to five and then the like six to like midnight or whatever no, people do. Uh-uh. No, well, I'm asleep. <laughs> well, you know, I I did that until I I had to as far right. as like getting my my content and my website out there. And then once it was out there, it was like okay, if you like it, buy it. If not, I've seen it all around. Yeah. Honestly, I thought it was Word. a brewery. Like I thought like a brewery had oh, like you know how. Um, Halfway Crooks has lager, lager, lager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I thought like, oh, somebody like there's another brewery that has also picked up like a sick, right? Like a sick brand that yeah. is like spreading. So that's the type of power that that IPA crew neck had. Where I'm like, what brewery is this? Not realizing that it came from from your mind, your creativity. That's how dope it's it is. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I changed one letter. Um, but yeah, no, I I think that that's the the impact of of craft beer and like of any business that it can become such a pervasive thing that like you see it on the street and it's like it's not just a counterculture anymore like it's culture so that's the type of thing that interests me when you were talking about uh your when you were talking about your experience at festivals and seeing that something was missing I feel like that's a conversation to an even bigger topic about the craft beer industry. You notice that there was something missing culturally, I would say, uh, at this festival. And I feel like there are many things that are very much missing. Aside from that, is there anything that you feel that could be a great addition to the culture of the craft beer industry? I definitely feel as as a consumer that that when I go to certain breweries the the activity that that the brewery kind of centers itself around is drinking and to me that's not that's not really an event it's not really an activity like it's something that that I enjoy engaging with but like going to drink is is not an activity for me personally so as far as what what the culture of craft beer could include, it, it could have more engaging activities. Um, breweries and, and craft beer settings are places that people like to go because they're going there to drink, but I think when people bring their children to a place and they they want their kids to kind of have an activity to, to engage with, and like, as adults, you would also want to have an activity that, that you would be engaging with, and like, I think the spaces are, are just missing fun. Yeah, wow, I think yeah, you're touching on like a problem that a lot of tap rooms, once they've gotten past the initial like, oh, we're the new kids in town, everyone wants to come here. Um, tap rooms struggle with like, or just breweries in general struggle with like, okay, well, why should anybody come here? Why should anybody pick us? You know, what's going to bring somebody in as opposed to just uh, 
just drinking. Like, I don't, I don't know, at work, like, I, I'm less involved with, like, event stuff now, um, which is good. Um, but, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I would kind of always mention in these meetings, like, you know, when we're trying to do event planning is like, okay, well, what are we offering people other than beer? Yeah. Because also as a consumer, it's like, well, sometimes there's an appeal of going to a, a place that at least has more like options too. Like if you're going to a brewery, you're going to expect to just get that kind of beer. So it's like, there does need to be something that would be more appealing than just like your local bar or like your local craft beer bar or like a place that you can take. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's a brilliant observation that I'd never thought about, but like tap rooms, they're, they're designed to just be drinking like watering holes and there's not like it's kind of what we talk about on here all the time of like fostering community like you're not able to sort of bring in more people and sort of make a community space where everyone knows your name if (laughs) (laughs) if like yeah, and then also you're just kind of inviting people to get, like, way too drunk. Because, like, if you're also doing something else, you're not going to be – it's okay to just have the beer be incidental, which is what's so great about, like, the hospitality industry. It's, like, you're also drinking, but, like, the point is friends. I feel like if you're looking for people – I feel like if you're only a, a brewery that has a tap room that is only offering beer – I think you're just focusing on a very small percentage of consumers Mm -hmm. and, and really missing out on the possibility of opening up to an even wider range of consumers to come in. So it's not just beer that you have to offer or good beer that you have to offer, but it's also an experience that, that benefits not just one demographic, but if not more, Mm -hmm. and you kind of have to venture out and be more creative. So if you were to have your own tap room, if you ran your own tap room, like if you had your own space, your own brewery, what would you uh, what would you implement? What would you create in a space? I'd have a space that that focused on on lower ABV beers and um, non-alcoholic beverages, and a few mid-range ABV beers, and um, and then. I'd want it to be like a marketplace, like a cafe type shop where like mm-hmm. you could you could buy like tchotchkes, like you can get like t-shirts and like market-based things because those are things that people want to interact with for a long time. So I think about places like, um, what's that market that they have like, like every weekend in like Greenpoint? Is it like the Greenpoint Market? Is it? I don't know. I feel like <laughs> that's the name of it. Like a flea oh, market? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Like like a Brooklyn flea. Like mm-hmm. something like that where people are not necessarily like spending a lot of money, but they're in the space for a long time and they're interacting with something. So the cafe element is is what brings people there, but something to interact with is what keeps them there. Mm-hmm. And eventually, like in a Brooklyn flea, people are going to like get a scallion pancake. They're going to get a hot chocolate because they're just, like, walking around and, like, doing stuff. So that's what, what I would in, implement in the space. Bringing it back to Kegs and Kegs, if you don't mind, um, that's what was so cool about those events pre-2020 mm-hmm. was that I was able to walk into a space and, like, dress fly because I wanted to and then walk in and everybody else in there is fly and everybody else there got cool sneakers. And you don't feel overdressed. Seen. Right. And it's, like... <laughs> It's like now uh, there's more things to talk. Like we can have a beer and we can enjoy a really good beer and then we can talk about where you got those sneakers from, where you got that jacket from, um, where you get your inspiration from, like who's your, you know what I mean? There's just more conversation to be had um, around the beer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's what was so cool about, like I hear what you're saying and I'm like, that's exactly what it was like to go to one of your events because um, very rarely you can go into a space and see people that even look like you, you know, and then to find people that dress like you, I'm like, all right, this is so sick. And that was that was definitely something that I had in mind when I did start doing the event because like it it is something that that promotes diversity. So I'm like, well, in a craft beer space, like pretty much it's not going to be a lot of like black and brown people. So in introducing the like sneaker based element, it it gives 
people of color something that that we are like familiar with that mm-hmm. we are comfortable around to interact with in a craft beer setting and like on on the sales point i would i would kind of like approach bar spaces and say hey like this is the event that i do i'm going to bring people into your space that are outside of your traditional demographic like you're going to make money you're going to get new customers let me do this event here so it was like a two for one yeah for sure that's so that's exactly what we've been talking about it's like how to get more people involved in the industry and it's like literally like make events that appeal to people that also have beer like yeah, just tell them how they're going to make money and they'll say, okay, yeah. come do it. Yeah. But I feel like they don't have the resources to make it happen. So it's like you give them an idea and they're like, okay, well, can you do it? And then let me know, like, and like, let me know what, like, what date and we can get it going. Huh. And then not really offer any sort of like financial, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, great. So then we'll pay you to do it. We'll, we'll, we'll pay you what, mm-hmm. well, with, for the work that you're doing. And then we'll pay you for the event. Let us know what it is. And because mm-hmm. I think when it comes to the when it comes to to breweries, it's there is a limitation of funds and budgeting and what can go where. And I feel like there is a sort of risk that is involved when when you're they're being asked to think outside the box and go in a different direction than what they're normally comfortable with going. So I feel like it's been expressed multiple times before where it's like, Hey, I think we should do this instead of doing this. And instead of them being like, great, like, can we give you a team? Like, let's, let's build like a support system to kind of get this going. And I feel like it's from my past experiences. It's like, all right, well like you do it. And then, and then let us know how it turns out. Uh, That's also my experience. Like every event that, that I've ever done and every like, just anything with business like I've had support from like my support system but like I've never had a, a brewery be like yeah like we're gonna we're gonna give you a designer like we're gonna like give you access to our manager so you can like plan out the dates and like it's and even when they are making those people available like they're coming at it with like skepticism and like just looking at me like okay well they said that you're gonna do an event so like I guess we should like it there's never really been a resounding amount of support like to be clear so like I definitely like feel what you're saying but like in my experience I've always done it all by myself so like yeah if you want to do it like that's how you got to do it yeah I feel like you've seen I mean I guess something that's just like coming up for me, like hearing you talk is just that you've created these spaces for not only yourself, but for other people. Mm-hmm. Like this didn't exist, you know, this point of entry, like you were saying that, you know, you were applying for jobs in the craft beer industry and not necessarily getting them. And you were just like, well, I'm gonna make something else then that can like bridge, you know, these two worlds. I don't, I just, I don't really have a question from that. I just think that that's, like, really striking. And I feel like that is something that has come up, you know, with a lot of, with other people that we've interviewed um, as well. There's this kind of common theme of, like, building the spaces that, like, we want to be in. Yeah. Um, And I just think that's really, I want to, like, acknowledge that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely believe in like building your own table and like not asking for a seat at somebody else's. How did kicks and kegs and that type of branding turn into your curiosity of wanting to brew, brewing, and to where you are now? Uh, as far as that, like kicks and kegs is is like my creative outlet, and like being a brewer is my job. <laughs> so like that's like Robin is the brewer and kicks and kegs is like, that's the, the creative like LLC. Where did I want to brew come in? Like at what point in your life did you decide that brewing was a career that you wanted to jump into? Honestly, I really didn't. I didn't. Um, when I was working at wild East, um, there was pretty much an opportunity to work in production and I let it be known that, that I had interest in working in production. And 
I thought it was just gonna go as far as like washing kegs, like filling kegs, maybe like doing some CIPs. At the time, I didn't know what that was. And then maybe after like two months of doing it, um, the, the, the owner of the brewery, the, the brewer owner was like, yeah, you're, you're gonna brew too. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you are. You totally will. And I was like, oh, okay then. Well, I suppose. And then like two years later, I'm on the deck like doing it. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I can do it. Awesome. But I definitely wasn't like, yeah, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Like I, I really had like no desire. I had an interest in knowing about the process, but. But being a brewer was not something that, like, when I got into craft beer, I was like, that is my, like, be-all, end-all. And you enjoy it? I do enjoy it. I do. I, I enjoy the manual labor aspect of it. And and just my background is, is culinary and hospitality. So, like, I went to, to school to be a chef. So I very much enjoy, like, making a thing with my hands and, like, producing something that people enjoy and they drink and they ingest and it's tasty. So that part is, is very gratifying and fulfilling to me. And like going through the process of like the whole brew day, like I, I enjoy like hitting the benchmarks of like, this is how much time I got. Like, this is what my efficiency was like. It's, it's instantly gratifying. Mm -hmm. And then all the other things are kind of like, Oh, <laughs> when you're on the deck brewing at Weldies, were you able to tap into your creative side and be able to blend the two? You're having ideas of like a recipe or being able to create your own recipe and test it out there? Yeah, definitely. Like um like flavors is is something that that I like understand like kind of intuitively just because of my background with food. So like coming up with like different flavor profiles was like it just was a little like it wasn't something that I had to really put a lot of thought into I'm like well this tastes good as as a meal as a dish so like if you combine it with this base of beer and and this adjunct or whatever like that'll probably taste pretty good was that how uh Windrush was born pretty much yeah yeah so um I was um I was enjoying a smoked Hellas lager that was shared to me um from Robin Fowler cuz Fowler knows how much I enjoy smoked beers. So um I I had this one sitting in my fridge for like a really long time and then one Saturday night I felt like all right, I'm going to have this beer tonight and it was delicious, it was amazing and then I was like, "Oh, this might this might go good with a little bit of spice. So I went to my cupboard and I put some cayenne in there and I'm like, oh shoot, <laughs> I did something, this works. So I, I shared some of it with my partner and she's like, no, that that kind of tastes pretty good. So from there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, like, I like, yeah, I channeled her. Um, so from there I was like, okay, like if we, if we kind of like, translated the the like recipe of jerk seasoning and used the base of this beer like I think it could be pretty fire and like to date like that's that's like maybe like one of like two beers that I've like conceived in my mind and has like come to fruition like pretty like excellently so yeah I got to try that beer it was extremely tasty and delicious so I mean great job with that it was it was on point thank you yeah yeah and and like I've brewed it twice to date and like the recipe is consistent and like it it can work on other systems so that's like as far as like food like you kind of know what tastes good and you know what doesn't but as far as like our beer recipe like if you can replicate it like in a different brewery and like your recipe is like on point and it can be repeated in another place like that's what I was really proud of like doing that beer like in another brewery and like it coming out exactly the way that I wanted it like I was really proud of that wait where did you make it well in the UK right yeah yeah so Windrush Lager I produced it 
last year, 20, well, I guess it's, I'm already like considering it to be 2024. So like, yeah. 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 So um, 2023, the beginning of this year, I brewed a batch of uh, Windrush Lager in London. And um, yeah, the recipe was, was essentially like the same, like as far as like the adjuncts, like, I was able to like translate that from like the smaller scale to like the bigger scale that I did in London and like it it tastes pretty much the same. So with being in the with working in the in the industry in New York do you like do you feel like there's a difference between the beer industry out here and the beer industry out in London in terms of just like um attitude, people, community, cultures what we consider hanging out and having festivals as opposed to what they consider, you know, like what's like, what is it? What is, what is it like? Is it different? What is it like across the pond? Yeah. Yeah. I want to know. Yeah. Um, so as far as like, so what are you drinking? The drinking culture, I am drinking a Montepulciano. I love lagers. That's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because I've been drinking beer all week. So, when I'm drinking for a pleasure, it's it's wine. A little house red. Ooh, <laughs> here for it. Um, the question was again, sorry. The difference between the New York beer industry and the UK beer industry. Are there any major differences? And if there are, what are they? And are there any similarities? I'll start with the similarities. Um, UK drinking culture and uh, US drinking culture. The goal is is to get hammered. Mm-hmm. So that's what they do. They, they get extremely drunk. Um, in London, people get so drunk that they take naps on the curb. Yeah. And, like, a, a Friday, Saturday, like, late evening, a regular occurrence is just to smell vomit in the streets because that's just how drunk people get, and it's that's the culture. But they're getting drunk off of lower alcohol beverages generally, Yeah, right? but, but like, longer. Like, no, just not lager. Lager. They're like, <laughs> drinking such mass volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm laughing because like, it's to like a lot of like a three and a half mile or like. No, they're like they're literally not kicking casks. They're like they're crushing like pints of lager from like the late morning, like early afternoon to like like early evening, and like that's. That, that's it. That's the culture. Um, it sounds like Boston. Right. So the similarities, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, the differences, I would say um, there's definitely like a lot of emphasis on um, on like locally made and like small producer craft, like the people that, that are getting like that drunk in the streets, like they're drinking like Stella and like Strongbow, Heineken, stuff like that. And the people that are seeking out like craft beer spaces and tap rooms, like they probably are getting that drunk. I, you know, I can't speak to it specifically from experience or anything, but they care more about what they're drinking. So that that is also like that. That's a similarity as far as like the craft beer culture. Um, the differences would be, hmm, because like their market is, is a few years behind as far as like, like style trends, craft beer style trends, not like classically made style trends, but like craft trending and, and specifically like hops, like that's where the major differences, um, difference is, I would say, and also kind of like. Americans are a little more adventurous when it comes to like what types of beers like they'll they'll be open to drinking. Like I don't think I've really seen any like milkshake IPA situations going on in the UK yet. And as I said, like they are a few years behind when it comes to like what's trending um, in beverage. But um, they're they're not really like adventurous as adventurous as like American drinkers are. What's the best craft beer bar in London? <laughs> mm. Um, I don't honestly. I don't know because when I'm in London, um, I go home. Like I be, yeah. I don't be outside. I I go to, <laughs> I go to my house, like my family's house, and like 
I be chilling, so <laughs> I'm not really fair, fair, so fair. So like, um, as far as like a craft beer uh, bottle shop that that I enjoy going to, that is um, is very local to me, Ghost Whale. Um, that's in Brixton, and they have an amazing selection. They have a lot of American beers, but they also have a, a great selection of UK craft and like European craft. Um, so that's somewhere that I um, really enjoy, and it's it's very very near to my house so as i said i'd be inside <laughs> you do not be outside nope. <laughs> so if that's the case what bottles are you bringing home then oh true mm-hmm. so on on recent trips i've brought back um queer beer queer queer craft brewing queer beer um i've brought back gypsy hill um cloud water which you can like get yeah. over here the kernel of course so yeah, those are a few that that have made that have been for me like all right. I'll definitely check a bag on return so I can like share this beer with my peoples. Because you came from or started off in culinary school, and you come from a culinary background because you went to culinary school. I'm curious to know: Do you feel that when it comes to food, it does play a very big role with? with beer like they I mean yes like I get it like tacos and beer or like Thai food and an IPA but in terms of like an actual like authentic full experience do you feel like beer and food are very much going what like they're hand in hand do you feel like craft beer is sometimes people are getting it wrong and just focusing on craft beer when they're not realizing how much food can play a very pivotal if not beautiful role with craft beer and it's not like here's a smash burger in a tap room, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like there's so much there that we can do to be able to combine both culinary world and the craft beer world because they both come from creative backgrounds, right? They both, they all like have stories as to how a beer is being brewed and why we're choosing the ingredients to create this beautiful beer, like with, with, with our guest Zara from Back Home Beer, right? Yeah. And, and how culinary, the culinary world has a beautiful story as to why they like making this favorite dish or like this fusion of something because the person who made this dish is from two different cultures. So do you see like, do you feel like there's a connection there? You being from both worlds now, is there, is that something that you want to hone in more a little bit more or focus on a little bit more, bring or shed some more light on the two? Um, I mean, I, as someone that, that is food first and beverage second, I definitely always seek out a place where I know I'm going to have a great meal and and I can also have a nice beer. So um, it, it's something that, that I would like to see more of and I definitely recognize the breweries that, that are putting an effort forward to invite more Epicurean-based food trucks or pop-ups that they know are going to highlight their beers and that are gonna like either like people are gonna come for the pop-up and it's gonna make them like want to drink through more of the beers that they're offering or like people are coming for the beer and they're gonna stay because they're they have a meal and they're not gonna like get too wasted so like obviously they they both go hand in hand but like when you when you put in the effort to to have a pop-up that that is pretty great like everybody's gonna win like they're gonna make money you're gonna make money so might as well put put forth the effort so with you establishing your brewing career here and does kicking does kicks and kegs is that on hold right now or is that still something that do you want to incorporate more events moving forward now that we're out of the pandemic like do you see yourself doing even bigger events within the community out here? No, honestly, to, to be fair, like, I, I've been doing kicks and kegs for around five years, if not more, and something that that I've come to value in business is, is knowing when to, like, cut your losses, and for me, I'm not passionate about it anymore so I don't really feel like I want to put any more funds and energy into it and also funds so (laughs) 
if if someone felt like they wanted to create a concept out of that and and they wanted to to work together on it i'd be open to exploring it in that avenue but as far as doing events and and continuing to have this type of um just space existing and me doing it all by myself i'm not really interested in doing that anymore it's so wise to like have this event that was so like it impacted the culture i feel like it happened at the right time you know yeah Um, and i think to know when to step back and kind of be like yo i can't do this anymore i feel like that's better than keeping it going and kind of driving yourself to the ground right you know right um but i do think it happened at like the perfect time you know when all of that i feel like this was back in like 2018 2019 um i don't know i was living uptown so for me it's, it's like oh, the it's been climax my entire life. of hype at that time yeah and i mean i mean it's i've been around it all my life so Word. um i really feel like that was the perfect time and then you know the pandemic ham- the pandemic happened and you know i mean covid's still around but you know like everything's more expensive and we don't necessarily have disposable income to buy $100 sneakers because now $100 sneakers in 2019 are now $1,000 sneakers on StockX, you know? So I hear you. I, I feel like it's really brave that you were like, you know, I love this, but I can't, I can't do it anymore. Um, so that's really cool. You know, I, I remember you, I know you as kick, kicks and kegs, but it's really nice to see, have seen you progress away from it. Um, and start, you know, the merch brand and, of course, start brewing, you know. I, we all met each other when we were just in hospitality, you know. We were just little Babies bartenders. out here. Were, <laughs> yeah, for the record, um, I'm wearing Chelsea boots right now. I very rarely yeah, I was say, wear trainers. You're wearing <laughs> kicks. I'm, I'm wearing kicks. I'm always wearing kicks. <laughs> for, for everyone, like, my sneakers are for sale right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, life has to you? go Post on. Post it on Depop. We'll talk about after. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, That's how you make um, revenue to keep going, right? For the event? S- sell, you sell some sneakers, and then you have I some, mean, more, uh, some more disposable income. Yeah, if you have a kids. pair of Yeezys, and you can get 20 racks for them. But, like, <laughs> like if you got, like, all, like, original pair of Jordans, like, one through, one through 15, we'll say, like, and you sold that entire collection, like, you, you would have, like, a few tens of thousands of dollars like yeah today you can probably put down a down payment on like an apartment or a condo maybe a house if you got multiple pairs as well oh yeah mm-hmm. that stock that's crazy who who's yeah then that what? exists well, like mm-hmm. who's buying them like oh. what kind of person the person dudes who- in boston who's buying it who has the money like like what's the demographic Right, like, just tell me, tell me a little bit about the like sneakerhead culture is a massive culture. No, like, no, I know I mean, this. You've I been to this. other half, right? Is that no, no, no? <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not. I'm not skeptical about the fact that this is like a like a huge deal. But I'm wondering, like, if you're selling them for that much, who's buying them so for that much? This is where, like, when I mentioned that when Robin was doing kicks and kegs at the right time. It's because it was people like us that were buying sneakers. Yeah. Now it's 14-year-olds that go to their parents and they go, Mom, I really love these pair of Travis Scott Air Force Ones. Can you please buy them for me? And their parents buy <laughs> them. Air Force their parents, with the hard R. Yeah, because their parents are probably like old money. But now it's, honestly, it's pretty sad. Now it's just a bunch of young kids that okay. get like, bankrolled by their parents this parents and that's, my and that's, and that's why sneaker culture is like i would have assumed it was like wall street guys or something or well, like well like yeah you know late stage cool dudes that like have money and then like late stage cool humans in general I not like just dudes late stage cool dudes i mean let's also talk about how like, <laughs> how like sneaker culture went from being uh predominantly brown and black people and now it's like a bunch of white girls in Williamsburg wearing yeah. like the hottest Jordan. To be like, fair, it doesn't make sense to me. I, like, I hate it actually. Yeah. The, Sorry. The white girls in Jordans are I'm wearing the B Air Force you. Ones. Like it's it's just Air Force Ones mm-hmm. until they're beaten to the ground. Like that, <laughs> that's, that's true. Their one and only. But there's the Bella Hadids that are wearing like the coolest Jordans and if like the coolest. You know what I mean? If he got these, he could get <laughs> it. Hadids only halfway. Let's be clear about. That's that. true. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. You got you got to see her sneaker shopping episode though. That oh she oh does she where she goes she goes if homeboy's wearing one of these, uh it, what she says she's like she said if homeboy comes up wearing a pair of these these are Air Max ninety fives 
he can get it. He can get it. <laughs> so it's like it's like it's I like have that Bella gift Hadid, saved though my phone. Money. Oh, she has a lot of money, but it's like oh, Bella Hadid. Like I've never seen her speak that way before. I've this never is seen her. Bella. Bella. Gigi. 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 Okay. Yeah. 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 It's Sorry. a show on. It's a. It's a whole thing. It's a Com- meme. complex. Now it's I love that. That's like that makes me like. But squirm. I feel you know no shit no no shade to Gigi love you Gigi but I feel if, like you're, listening, Gigi, if you're listening Gigi Gigi no shade this is her favorite podcast but I oh, feel like she sure. opened the door for like people that don't really involve themselves in sneaker culture to be like oh I can I don't want to say a bro oh, oh, that no, that's, Bella. That's exactly I think I've happening. seen this and I is it but which one's Bella I forgot which one Bella's the like taller older that's one. Gigi or that's Bella. I think that's Bella. I think that's Bella. Oh, okay. Sorry. Bella. Not Gigi. My bad. Homeboy. <laughs> so where do you see the craft beer industry going like 10 years from now? Now that it's incorporating more people of color, you're seeing more of a diversity push happening with brewery owners, with brewers. Uh, we have uh, organizations that give out scholarships and benefit people of color in this industry in order to push more of a diversity just community within this industry where where from your perspective where do you see this going in like where do you see it in 10 years in 10 years i hope that you are the owner of a chain of craft beer breweries and please mm. give me a job <laughs> <laughs> That's what, as far as, uh, no, but seriously, I think that in 10 years, like, people, like, all of us in this room will be at a point where we are the game changers, and we are the ones that have, like, set our own tables, and we are putting out placemats for other people to sit. Mm -hmm. That's what I see in 10 years. Um, The industry as a whole, um, as of uh, today... December 8th, 2023, in the last three weeks, there have been three breweries in New York City that have closed down. So in 10 years from now, I think that we will see new breweries that that come into the market as a whole in the country and a lot of breweries that that get bought out, that go out of business, that get acquired. Um, I think that in 10 years people are going to care more about branding and marketing that speaks directly to them. And it won't just be um, heritage and loyalty based as far as which brands they're being loyal to. So present day craft beer drinkers, because the the industry is, is relatively new, people will be loyal to a company like, let's say, Sierra Nevada, because that's something that they have 20-year brand recognition with but in another 10 years a brewery that opened a few years ago will have 10 plus year brand loyalty so they'll have a base layer of customers that are brand loyal to them because of that familiarity and that tide is is going to change in the next 10 years 100 percent. because a, a brewery like i won't name them like if you've gone out of business in this year and you've been around for 10 years, like you're, you're going to double that amount of time and then you're going to double your amount of, of customer base. So like that's, it's built in loyalty and then you're going to expand upon that. Hmm. Heard it here first. Hmm. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I, that That's my hope anyway, is this new generation of breweries that we see coming out, that it's something that we've, never really seen as much before, but it's something that we've always wanted to see, right? Being able to step into a space where it's like, finally, they they see me, hmm. right? Instead of me having to step in and just feeling like such like a bro bar or such like a, like a bro-y tap room, you know? And walking in there and be like, oh my God, they're, play- they're playing my song. You know, they're, that they're playing like, Baboni, or they're playing Selena, or they're playing like Mana, yeah. you know, something like that. And it's, and it, it, it makes me feel like I'm not only am I welcome, but I'm safe. And this is a space where I can like completely act out, you know, once I start like shouting out like tra, 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 like they just get it, right? Like they just get it. And like that's what I want to see. 
that's what I want to work towards. That's what I want to be a part of. And I feel like now that we're in this, like now that we, we've kind of grown into this industry and we are a big part of this industry, I think we are like the, the pushers of that. We are the, not only the employees or the consumers, but we are people who are very outspoken and, and constantly talking about what they want to see. I have this conversation with multiple friends, multiple people in the industry when being able to go to festivals, like I'll have that chat uh, after a few beers with, with the brewery owners or with the brewers or something, but it's because a lot of them are white men and, um, and they're always like just dope and open to hear me out with what I have to say without either like eye rolling or looking the other direction. And I love those spaces where I can be honest about, yo, I'm not seeing what I want. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm going to just kind of create my own thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with, with the spaces that I want to be in. And we've all seen it. And I've seen it with you guys, with what you guys have done, especially with you and kicks and kegs. And now you creating your own space and your creativity with your brewing and being able to actually implement that. So your creativity, you were able to, to make it happen. And then you put it out to the masses. Mm-hmm. Like you, you've been able to create something, you built a recipe and you've been brewing for how long? Three years. How many years? Three. Okay. So I've been in the industry for almost 10 and I have yet to be in a space where I've been allowed to create my own recipe and put it out to the masses. And like, that's what what I'm talking about with you. That's, that's not, that's not like what I'm trying to focus on. What I'm focusing on is you being able to be, being able to work with people, Mm -hmm, being able mm -hmm. to work in a space where you are being heard and seen and encouraged and empowered and you were like you working for a Wild East, which I love. Yeah, I love their beer program. They're great. I love what they produce. I love their lagers, and like I'm just always excited whenever like Oktoberfest comes around or like September rolls around. Big fan. But for you to go to Brett and being able to have that conversation with him, he allowed you to not only be creative, but he trusted the process that what you totally, had totally. because you were able to do that, and that was like the beauty of you having that one-on-one connection with him with right. just washing kegs. Right. So, so the point of me saying that like 10 years of me doing this and I have yet to be in a position where I can create a recipe and put it out to the masses is everybody's experience is different from how they started off. The reason with what I do with the foundation that I work for and doing this is not just to promote and support, but to make sure that the next generation of brewers get to have a different story to tell. And the purpose of this podcast is to allow those people into the spaces, into this space right here, to talk about their experience of not only creativity, but being able to explore their own creativity on the inside and have it be encouraged and supported by the people who allowed them into that brewing space. You're able to do that with Weldies, who has an amazing brewing program. And I love that you were able to do that. And I love that you were able to talk about it here. So that's what's so important about this next generation of brewers coming in, you being one of them, is that you get to live it and talk about it on such a positive level because that was such a great beer that you brewed. I very much enjoyed tasting it. I think when it was released, like there were oysters being shucked outside or something. Yeah, the, so the, um, I invited a, a Jamaican restaurant to do a pop-up alongside the beer release. Yeah. And uh, they served jerk chicken and um, something vegetarian. I can't remember because I didn't eat that. (laughs) And and I was like, can you guys do oysters as well? Because, like, the smoke and the brine is going to pair excellently. I love that. And they're like, all right, we'll do it for you. That was my pairing. It was me. I think food collaborations are extremely important because I feel like with what you're eating very much can accentuate or just kind of your experience can broaden a lot more Exactly. when you bring in um, a food pairing with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sometimes what the industry is kind of missing in terms of experience. I feel like if there were more intentional food collaborations with what beer they were bringing out, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you would have not just the beer consumer, but you would have a foodie coming in being curious about what it would what the experience would be like with what you mentioned again with like the brine mm-hmm. and like the smoke and everything. Now I have an idea of like like reverse like 
like beer releases right like instead of doing the beer release at the brewery like you release the beer at a restaurant restaurant. on the day that they've like released their like new like full menu or something right and what you're brewing what you're brewing is not only intentional but it's detailed down to the ingredients that you're applying that would really give life to a recipe that's being created Mm -hmm. at this restaurant Mm -hmm. so it's so it goes beyond what craft beer is expected to be in this industry. And that's what I'm talking about with where I would like to see in this industry from 10 years, like 10 years from now is having more intention, more creativity, more community, more inclusivity, because once you do that, and a big part of why I wanted to create this podcast was to just go beyond craft beer. We're going beyond craft beer in these spaces. We're trying to connect it with culture. We're trying to connect it with music. We're trying to connect it with food. We're trying to connect it with actual experiences that goes beyond the hops and the yeast and the malt and the water. And I think once breweries can really tap into that a bit more with inclusivity, creativity, I feel like there's more opportunity for not only an evolution to happen within the industry, but to give the industry more longevity, more longevity and more life where it's more just long lived rather than having breweries who have been around for 10 years eventually just close. Because at the end of the day, aside from the name and where you started, what else were you offering consumers who are forever evolving and changing? Where do you see yourself in five years? In an English cottage, not working for anybody, um, frolicking in my garden and um, not laboring. And I'll, I'll be 35. <laughs> and I'll have a bevy of kittens. Um, in beer, hmm, in five years, uh, to be serious. Hmm. Uh, ask me in five years. Invite me back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, do, do you guys want to ask the important question that we ask? Yeah. Who wants to ask it? it I don't have to. Sig- it doesn't have to be me every Sid- time. Yeah. <laughs> it's been like a Sydney. I just yeah. think it's so damn cute. Um, what kind of hop are you? Oh. What's hmm. your what's your little what's your little your little Pokemon? I'm um I'm something that that is classic and reliable, and um, it doesn't have to be the the star of the show, but it's reliable. I'm Centennial. Mm. I knew you were going to say that. I like Centennial. I knew it. The way you describe it, I was like, Centennial. Amazing. Love that. So you're also like one of the best American IPAs. Spells too hard of, right? That's all Centennial. Mm, Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Very reliable. But you're not American. That's oh, the problem. Right. Sorry. Okay. Sydney, why would you just... <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Boston then, call thing to say. Okay, no, so sorry, so then I'll... Up, you have to pick up British. <laughs> no, I'll... I'll be fuggled. Fuggled? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not East Kent Golden? No, just just curmudgeonly and, and for... <laughs> its primary purpose is bittering and people try to do way too much with it. <laughs> Purpose is bittering is a great way to describe a person. <laughs> Bitter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love it. It's always a good question. Um, yeah, yeah, but Centennial. I identify with Centennial. Like, it just, it, it does what it needs to do. Yeah, it's not doing not. too much. That's it. Big fan. Big fan of you, and can't thank you enough for coming on and talking to us about all things kicks and kegs. And everything in between. And food, of course. That's what I meant when I said everything in between. Oh, okay. Yeah, obviously, the, the middle space between kicks and kegs is food. Kicks, food, <laughs> yeah, kegs. Absolutely. Uh, it's been, man, it's been a while since I've seen you and like having a conversation with you. So this has been a lot of fun for me. And uh, being able to talk about you coming on, we've been really excited to just get to know you better and, and where, you, where you started off from your brand to what you're doing now, which is brewing. And um, I'm really excited to see where you're going to go five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now. So I appreciate you being part of the change uh, in this industry. And I really appreciate you being you no matter what, 
no matter what you don't stand down and i i respect that so much about you and uh, i appreciate you more with beyond words so thank you for being here thank, thank you. you for talking to us thank you Thanks for coming on, Robin. Yeah. Sure, for Thank you for bringing I mean, the bottle of wine. It, it's like such the like social script thing to say, like, oh, thanks for having me. But like genuinely, like, thanks for inviting me. Like, it does feel very like still like isolating to be in a space that is predominantly white. So like it, it feels lovely to be in a space with like other women of color that work just pretty much in the trenches. Like what we do is is it's hard. I'm tired, yeah. Grandma. <laughs> yeah. It's Friday, yeah. though. <laughs> it is Friday. Yeah. And we still have, like, a quarter bottle of wine to go. Well, we're going to get to it after this. And so. some champagne. Should we, should we open the champagne? Yeah, I, I mean, you pop the All right. Champagne. Bye, guys. We're going to go drink more <laughs> stuff okay, that's not beer. Bye. <laughs> bye. All right.